They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafalos. And kaboom. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome down to Security Rabbit Hole, friends. To yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is I, the White Rabbit, Raflos, saying hello. I'm back from vacation and properly refreshed. I suspect that's where James is, uh, vacationing. Uh, and in the meantime, I thought I would uh, do a reciprocal uh, a comeback episode with my buddy Dan. Uh, if you haven't checked yet, uh, Dan... Uh, tagged me on this thing. Uh, his title on the episode I did on his <laughs> podcast was Grumpy Experts Shed Light on Repeating AppSec Challenges. I resemble that remark. Uh, <laughs> so go check out danondev.com uh, in his latest episode because it has your favorite podcaster on it. That would be maybe me. But uh, all right, I'm going to let him introduce himself, talk a little bit about his show. He can give a better background of himself than I can. Dan, over to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so Dan Kirkendall here, and I recently started danondev.com. I had a podcast. Uh, my original podcast was Man vs. Web App. Actually, I think it was Mighty Seek Podcast, but <clears throat> I did Man vs. Web App for for a good minute and, uh, and did some podcasting uh, with the Security Place podcast. I've been, been in the space for quite a while. Uh, actually with podcasting quite a bit. And um, actually, I did, you know, some of you guys may not realize, but uh, when podcasting first came out and uh, Apple first added podcasting to iTunes, I actually was help. I helped the iTunes team uh, put podcasting, put our podcast directory from Podcast Alley into uh, their database and was the seed of their original podcast directory. And are, uh, are but you, they are, added a Dan, Dan. Dan, are you about to do a back in my day segment here? Yeah, back in my day. So then they also added a bunch of stupid RSS tags that nobody knew how to like implement. So I actually created a plugin called PodPress uh, for the WordPress community to actually be able to like configure their podcast uh, into iTunes. So I think most people, if they're using WordPress, they're familiar with like PowerPress. That's actually uh, a fork of of my old code. So. But anyway, wow. that was on the podcasting um, and security. I've been in security since the late nineties, uh, primarily on the testing side, on the DAS side with a company I started called NT objectives, ran that until 2015 when I sold to the rapid seven and then stayed there for about eight years building the, you know, application security branch of the company. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for, you know, up until recently. Now I'm playing around with uh, new, some new startup ideas. Oh, man. Listen, uh, our conversation on AppSec went uh, about as about as you'd expect, right? Back in my day, get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Caleb, we see you. 
uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about, uh, about, uh, Bob Auger, Robert Auger over there, but, uh, uh, see you as well, man. Uh, it's, it's been a heck of a minute. Uh, maybe we all get together at black hat this year and, and, uh, and do a good old get off my lawn session. But, uh, look, it's, it's been a while, uh, since we all kind of got into this field and, uh, arguably I've, I've taken a, a divergent path from you guys, but, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, what we sort of said was the more things change, the more things stay the same. Uh, we are we are on that hamster wheel. It's just that uh, the, 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 the time it takes to go around seems to be getting shorter. Uh, and it's interesting because we, you know, gosh, we've all been a part of the AppSec community for a bit, Dan. For a minute. Uh, back when it was, <laughs> I remember... Back when OWASP was founded, uh, you know, and, and the uh, top 10 was a brand new thing. And and now it's the same brand new thing uh, with slight changes. N- n- now with more AI. Um, but but to be fair, uh, to be fair, things do change quite a bit as, as languages evolve. Uh, entirely new programming languages <laughs> come up. Um, so... Give me a give me your thoughts on. I guess we'll just continue the conversation from the other podcast. And if you if you're a listener, and you're like, "What in the hell are they doing uh, talking about?" Uh, then go listen to the other one first, and then come to this one. But um, I, I think where we where we we're kind of taking this conversation is where as l- languages evolve, they become inherently more safe to use. Right as we get better, we get better abstraction, and we get uh, we also get. Uh, easier to write code um which is both a great thing and a bad thing what are your thoughts on let's start there what are your thoughts on these like low code no code things where you just drag and drop ideas and and everything just magically works together yeah i mean some of that still freaks me out right i mean i'm a little old school in that and you know i think you had mentioned uh when you're on my show that uh, you're you don't you don't like doing a lot of dev right? <laughs> or, or you want people Dude, to I'm stay the worst developer from... in the history of mankind. I, I, I have a, I have a good, I have a good sense. There are squirrels that can type code better than I can, but you know. Yeah. So I, I, I've actually done a lot of dev and I, I enjoy doing dev whenever I can. And that was, you know, even through my evolution of rapid seven, trying to get back into writing more and more code. Um, so these no code kind of freak me out a little bit because it's, it's weird that they, take away so much of the work, but, and I think you had mentioned it as well, that like standards actually can make a big difference. And so what a lot of those no code solutions or even low code solutions do is set a lot of standards for you, right? A lot of stuff is handled in the framework. So you now you're just picking up and doing your actual bit of functionality, but a lot of the framework is handling everything else. The framework can be handling a lot of the input validation, you know, setting up whatever it, it handles so much of it, but it makes the the framework that much more critical. If the framework sucks, everybody's code is going to suck. Right. And so that framework yeah. becomes super critical to, to have a lot of eyes on it and have it done well. Well, so that's, that's what, um, that's what freaks me out. And again, I'm, I'm like, you know, I think I'm just old school, maybe just grumpy. I don't know. But <laughs> when you look at the way that software is developed, when you look at the way code's written in the, the more, the more you abstract, 
the less you actually know about how or why something happens. And it, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? So examples in this are like with includes, for example, when we had that, was it struts that had the major one dot something that had the major like world ending bug and people were like, I don't use struts. You scan your code. You're like, oh my God, it's in every piece of code I've ever written. Um, when stuff like that happens, it forces us to look at the the building blocks of how we built what we've built. Because we always, I mean, you know, when you're when you're writing something and it's easy to to throw together a couple lines because the framework does all this magic on the back end, things just happen. Classes are imported. If you're a C developer, I guess from old school days, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, all, all kinds of you know uh, includes happen. The libraries are included. This, 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 and suddenly you're like, hey, I can just put this in, this input in here. All this magic happens. My code processes it and ships this thing out. And then you got a vulnerability in one of those intermediate layers. Okay, uh, and one because we and we've had the s-bomb conversation probably more times and i'll probably have it again and i'll probably ask you before the end of the show about this but <laughs> because nobody really keeps a good bill of materials of of how uh how things are built much less within the frameworks themselves of how they function so when there's an issue does that make doesn't that make things harder if, if we're not paying attention and that's the caveat oh. if we're not paying attention even if you are paying attention, have you ever run npm install and you know of a package, right? Or you do npm install of your requirements scroll, file scroll, that has scroll. like scroll. Yeah, if you you put three things in there, and then those three things each include three things, which includes three things, which includes three things, right? Like the even if you're trying to pay attention, you don't know, and then you may do it once. You know, let's say you inventory it, and then there's an update. That the developer of one of those packages could include a whole new chain of packages, right? So yeah, that stuff. You know, I, I was doing some uh, Chrome extensions work and um, and building some stuff, building like a Chrome extension so I could test some code and test some functionality, and uh, kind of got into that world of actually like hands on using it. And man, it was it was shocking. Um, and, and this is the thing and going to the no code um, that does worry me because there are less and less people capable of understanding what those frameworks are doing, right? You've got a, a whole sea of people who are building on top of those frameworks, but very few people that actually know how the project's working. I, I got into security and into development because uh, you know, again, back in the day, right. <laughs> um, back in the day, I uh, tried helping some developers and the way, way I actually got in is to, I found very early, like this is like 94, 95. Uh, maybe it was 96. I think when Linux really started kind of coming out a lot more and I saw developers hated writing documentation and I needed to learn how to like install stuff. And I, you know, so I basically started making deals with developers that like, I'll write your docs if you'll tell me how, how this stupid thing works. Right. And, um, and started realizing like these developer smucks just like me, they're just cobbling together the code. And uh, and so like at some of the first open source conferences, like the O'Reilly open source conferences, if you go back then, um, I was meeting a lot of these developers because I was doing my own open, open source work at that point. And 
they were all just other smucks writing code, trying to make things work. And, but those pieces that they were building became the building blocks and they weren't like super devs. They just happened to build frameworks, right? I ran this project called PHP groupware for uh, quite a few years and had a lot of contributors. We had at one point, we had like 35 developers working on it actively. So it was a pretty big project and oh my gosh, the messes we <laughs> created. And so when I look at these uh, projects, right? When I look at node, I'm like, oh wow, there's a lot of people contributing to this at many levels of development skill and experience, just tossing stuff in there that nobody knows about. Uh, it's just a matter of time. Right before so, like a struts like thing comes up, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that more of them don't come. More, more catastrophes like that don't come up more often. I, I'm all for the more eyes on this, make this better. As long as those eyes are all qualified, right? Because then we get into the infinite monkeys at typewriters problem, and it doesn't write the world's greatest novel. So when when you've got something like uh, a, a framework that's like you're talking about, it's con- being contributed to actively by people of various skill levels. Uh, at some point, like that's awesome, right? Country contribution is awesome. The mix of ideas, things that one person or a small group would never think of, which is fantastic. That's what we want. That's yeah. how you get innovation. However, at some point, a group or someone has to sit down and go, all right, what in the heck do we have here? Right. What of this? How much of this makes sense? How much of this? Uh, like, what exactly is that function? And I'm not even talking about like the like. Yes, we could have purposely uh, hidden malicious functions, things that get included, um, and, and we've we've heard whispers of that for a while now. Um, but I, I'm I'm actually more concerned about the accidental oopses that make it in that. Um, that nobody notices or that looks good because I'll tell you what, I just had this, this perfectly relevant experience. I wrote a piece of content for the, for my day job. There's something we were working on, had four levels of people proofread it, went to the designer, the designer gave me a proof and I'm looking at the proof and going, what the hell does that sentence say? Like, was I, was, was I sleep deprived when I wrote that? Like what, like, wait a minute. Five, like five or six people have read this. They all think this sentence makes sense. Like this sentence is nonsense. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, I, I, how do we fix this? Right? How do we? How do you fix that? Because I, we're per, we're not perfect, right? I, you, I tend to read something, and I'll if it's going well, I'll skip a sentence, or I'll just kind of like, eh, my brain will fix the broken sentence. I imagine it works the same way if you're reading source. You're like, oh. And your brain sort of goes, oh, that's what the, what they intended was, nah. And meanwhile, the mistake is there. And, and you get these fairly complex issues. Let me ask you something because uh, as I was saying that, this popped in my head. As you get abstracted, because this is out of my realm of expertise, as you get abstracted languages, do the oopses get bigger or or? And more significant because they're abstracted so much that nobody really understands. Like the people that are using that language don't necessarily understand the push and pop of the stack at the uh, uh, at that very low level. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think they do because you know, especially I mean, anybody, any developer 
uh, knows like as you're as you're building your code and your you know your object oriented code is is organized, you've got you, your call stack could be like you know goes way 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 down, right? And so as you're looking at a piece of code, you're looking at this section, and this section is going to call into this other section, and then you'll when you're reading, you just have to assume the other section is doing its job, right? And but you don't know all the time exactly what those other calls are going to accomplish other than like, oh, that's going to take this data and come back with, I don't know, it's going to parse it, whatever. Uh, and then now you've got an object. So you're just going to kind of read through that. You're not going to dive into the library because otherwise you're going to go like into an endless loop, right, of trying to look at each layer. But uh, what you'll find is that a lot of times developers will uh, see that, oh, this is... I don't know, it parses, let's just imagine it parses a common delimited list, right? Something silly, right? Cool. So you got the file and you got to put it over there. Somebody in that parsing code at some point may say, oh, you know what? I have an edge case issue I want to be able to do, right? I have this, I round that found this, this time where, you know, there was two commas. I don't want to have two columns. I want to like merge it or something. I don't know. So whatever. And, uh, and so they'll create a fix for their problem into that code that then may actually, you know, un unintentionally affect somebody else. Right. Right. And, and you have no idea because you don't know how everybody else is using your code. Right. And so that becomes a part of the challenge and the bigger the project and the more eyes on it, you actually get less and less quality. Cause what, what even what you described, when you have a bunch of people, if you send your, um, you're just doing a document, right? You're doing a little write-up, a blog post, whatever. And you pass it to, if you pass it to two people, two people know you're asking them, hey, I need you to, to review this. They'll probably give it a little bit more attention. But if you actually give it to like everybody, right? The chance that like everybody this. else is assuming somebody else is doing it. Yeah. You you often get less quality reviews I, I hear from you. the individuals. So I hear where you're going with this, and I, I think what what what's happening in the in, as people are listening, there's probably quite a bit of uh, uh, upsetness happening because <laughs> what did we promise people? Right, we promised that the whole premise behind these giant open source projects was more eyes on it means it's definitely safer, it's definitely going to have less bugs, um, but and, and I'm not picking on that. I'm simply saying that's a, that, like what you're saying is accurate. Right, you, the more people you have looking at something, the better. And I think the more abstract, this is just gonna like this just makes sense to me. The more abstracted something is, the less the people that work on that abstracted thing understand how it actually functions down below in in, in the guts. Which is why cloud compute has become for me such a, I don't know, uh, such a turning point, such a such a pivotal moment in in compute history, in IT history. Because we are we are having uh, we are we are having to develop technologists at a level that is abstract to understand the new tech that many don't have any idea why a packet goes from here to here and actually it comes back right it, it's kind of like my kids are experts at using the iPad but when it crashes they have no idea why they could not tell you like. Dad, how does this thing work? I just pushed it. I click and I push and I, you know, pinch and I zoom and it works. Like, what do you mean? There's stuff that happens underneath this. That's my concern. Is as we, 
not to get too philosophical, but as we get into times where everything is becoming more abstract from the, 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 the zeros and ones of it, um, we're not thinking about registers. Uh, you know, I, I learned I, the, uh, a programming language that I actually learned was uh, writing, writing assembly on MIPS RISC. Okay. I, I get it. That was back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, the early dinosaurs, not the late ones. Um, but I was actually kind of good at it. Like that, I that stuff made sense. You, you you fill a register, you create an operation on it, you put it into stack. Like th- you know, things happen. Okay, cool. How do you go from there to like some of these really abstract? And you know, whether it's Ruby, whether it's Python, whether it's whatever it calls. Like I feel like that connection between the two is missing, right? We. Do, do developers, uh, I don't know if you know this, but do developers that go through a, like their their uh, formal schooling, do they learn all that connective tissue, all that down below stuff, or are they just being taught that the, here's how you write Python? Yeah, I don't think they are. Um, and That's scary. Yeah, and you know, going to the get off my lawn thing, I, <laughs> you know, I, some, <laughs> some of it I do think is generational. Like the Gen Xers and millennials, uh, we had to learn a lot of that stuff just to make things work, right? Like, right. You know, we we had like, you know, we had to like configure hardware and you know, like we understood the problems of, like of drivers and and all this like at at the at the physical layer, right? On the network side, same thing. Most of us were looking at packet sniffers just to make sure we were even online half the time, yeah. right? Like, right? And and so. You know, even something like a, a, a BERT proxy where you're actually looking at the HTTP traffic that most people think, oh, that's the actual raw traffic. No, actually, there's the TCP, TCP layer that most people have no idea how that impacts anything. Uh, and most of the time you don't have to care, but they don't even know the HTTP, like looking at HTTP traffic. They don't that doesn't make a lot of sense to them. They're they're familiar with the what the framework gives them. Right. Yeah. And so they're so abstracted from understanding the the traffic that that's where they're going to miss out on on truly understanding what's happening. Right. They're not going to understand that all that data is like miming coded. Oh, what does that mean? I, you know, as far as they know, it just came as to them as a JSON blob. And so they don't know where you can like hide attacks and things like that. So they don't really understand it. Uh, so when they're abstracted from it. You just you're not aware of what comes before and what's going to come after, um, and and it and you had mentioned earlier like the promise was the more people that are looking at it, the better it'll get, and I will say that's been true from a feature standpoint in particular, not necessarily a security standpoint. Sometimes security has helped, I and mean, once in a while you have somebody in there and you have a lot of eyeballs and somebody will spot something like oh, you know, like this is not good. Let's fix it, right? Um, and so that'll happen, but, I, and, but I do think from a feature standpoint, the more eyeballs, the more developers has helped. I don't know that it's helped from a security standpoint. <sighs> That's kind of where I was thinking too, is, uh, and, and now we're getting into AI writing code, right? Which is <laughs> the ultimate great idea. Um, because people copying and pasting from, uh, uh, from, uh, what was that? What's the website? Why can't I think of it right now? Oh, uh, yeah, now you're something stack. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, day. 
Anyway, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I mean, you, you Google and you Google something, you'll get. You'll yeah, you code. you Google it, and it does an example copy paste. Yeah. Whether that has a correct, I mean, as long as it functions, it's great, and there off we go. And now AI is gonna, you know, these AI generative AI bots are gonna take all that broken code, all that highly vulnerable crap, and good grief, uh, create more out of it that sounds fantastic i can't wait it's going to be a great new brave new world i suspect huh yeah i i actually get a kick i see these on like you know um on twitter on instagram you know on youtube shorts like people saying like software developers are going to be extinct in five years or whatever because the ai is going to write all the code and like you know what you're talking about like (laughs) yeah there will be some things right but you still need real developers to build the the building, you know, the building bricks of everything else, right? So you're going to need developers. Uh, the I had so for for many years I had there's a tech call it a tech high school near me, and there's a Cyber Patriots program. I'm familiar with those guys, right? The Cyber yeah. Patriots is like a yep uh, ROTC spinoff, right, or whatever. It's yep. part of the ROTC programs for high schools, and. Um, I would get in a lot of, I'd bring in some of these high school students as interns over the summer. Uh, and I would have, I usually would have them like go build something like build me a shopping cart application. Right. And, and this was like kind of my normal, I had like kind of built this model to do it. And so they would build it. I would ask for this feature, that feature, right? Like, okay, I want to be able to see the list of products. I want to see one product. I want to be able to review a product. I want the whole checkout process. Right. And I'd go through that. Inevitably, they would have SQL injection volumes, all these things, right? And cross-site scripting on the on the review page, right? And I would just walk them through like how they make what their mistake is, and and show them how to fix it, right? And how to like write code and and how to like start to not trust user input, and and kind of build that fundamentally into them. Yeah. And so I was as I was doing the Dan on Dev series, I was like, huh, I wonder if I could do that, but use AI. And sure enough, I used chat GPT and I asked it to write the same, I basically gave it the same prompt I'd give these students. And it came up with the exactly like, it was like almost line for line, the same code I was getting from the students. Right. I looked at a couple of my students. I'm like, this is exactly the same. It gave me the exact same vulnerable code <laughs> that the students gave me. Oh no. I'm probably still going to do that series. Um, and like actually show chat GPT giving a totally, you know, Answering the prompts, giving the code, writing the product, and how vulnerable that code is, uh, because all the sample code out there is vulnerable, <laughs> by and large. Yeah, yeah, that's that's super interesting. Um, I, I was just thinking, and I was, I was searching for it. And I, I can't find it, but um, I had this. Uh, I had this draft sitting, uh, sitting in a in a blog post I've been meaning to write, which I've completely neglected over the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, it's basically a fairly prolific writer and I just kind of quit because uh, life got busy. But this whole notion that um, the like development used to be something that was reserved for, you know, the, the select few, right? Select few people could write code because boy, it was very sparsely understood it's kind of an elitist thing and like, Oh, if you can't, uh, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you and I, Dan, were, were probably early teens, late teens, 
mid teens, something somewhere in the teens where, uh, you know, like, Hey, you, uh, you know, you, your Slackware Linux came on floppy disks and you had to compile your own kernel and make everything work. Like if you couldn't do that, you weren't accepted into the, the community, into the group. Cause you're like, you didn't know what you're doing. And then we've democratized it made pretty much like it, it, it I'm not saying anybody can anybody can be a good developer, but just about anybody can be can write code now. While that's awesome, again, spurs innovation and, and opportunity and all sorts of wonderful things. However, now now we have uh, sort of the wild wild west. Um, and whether you're downloading an app to your phone that you don't know where it where and how it was written, most people don't. Uh, most people don't even understand how the apps on their phones work. And I'm not talking about like general population. I'm talking about IT people uh, that don't really understand the, like the mechanisms underneath how Android works. Um, I had a really odd conversation recently with somebody that said, well, I have to keep closing all my Android apps. Otherwise, um, you know, uh, otherwise my phone will, will run. Remember, like, it's like, it doesn't automatically, like, why can't you just, you know, where's the X to close the app? I'm like, that, that's not how android works like it puts things like you don't know this like you're, you're like a power user and so we had this really very strange conversation um which just prompted me to think that like while many of us that sit at our laptops uh launch aws instances uh put out apps for people like we really don't understand the underlying mechanisms of what how a packet or a byte goes from here to here, why your screen lights up in a particular way, right? How the, uh, you know, how Wi-Fi works, um, and the mechanisms underneath it. And while that's great, like we don't ha- like not everybody has to be a genius to use it and, and, and build and, and innovate and develop. There is a lot of risk that that adds in and it becomes incumbent upon those that are designing these frameworks to make sure that they're resilient against the casual <laughs> developer. Uh, and I hope we're doing that. Are we doing that, Dan? I think so. I think I, I do. I see a lot of improvement. I mean, even if you, okay. even if you step back and you look at like uh, the raw traffic, right? HTTPS. Yeah. That has had a massive impact that is now just a default. Right. Like the industry has said, this is now how we do things. Right. Like everything's going to yeah. go over HTTPS. If it doesn't, you're going to be getting a warning. Right. <laughs> Essentially. And like I used to go into the mobile, I used to go to the mall and pop up a, a you know, hotspot as ATT Wi Fi and just sit in the middle of the mall and have, you know, and I'd be sitting, sitting there with like watching traffic on Burp and, you know, so I had my like, uh, um, was it the, What's that device? Not not the rubber ducky, the same company. Pineapple. Um, anyway, huh? The pineapple. The pineapple. Yeah, I'd have my pineapple up. I'd be monitoring the trap, monitoring all the the traffic, and uh, and then people's devices would be connecting. You know, it's in their purse, in their pocket. It would be connecting to me, and then as soon as it hit, uh, you know, an internet connection, all the apps that had background checks would spin up and start looking up. So many apps were HTTP. And then the one, a lot of them was that were, that did default to HTTPS um, did not require a valid cert. They they had like the developer mode on, and so I could still see the traffic right as long as I had a, a cert on there. And yeah. uh, 
And so I, I did a whole series, I did a whole bunch of conference talks for a few years around some of that. And I was like hacking fantasy football, like my friends would come on, I would host uh, the draft day and I would record everybody's session token while they were here. Aww, and then throughout the jerk. season, the session token never changed. And I could actually, uh, you know, change their lineup, you know, mid season. <laughs> and I would like, nice. you know. Like I would like text like, hey, aren't you gonna play a quarterback today? I know you're trying to go easy on me, but you know, they're like, what, what, what? You know, <laughs> trying to like get their quarterback uh, in the lineup. Uh but that has become much more difficult. I, I've tried to do it more recently, and the lockdowns with HTPS are a lot more rigorous. They're you know, like that stuff, those defaults and, and even session tokens on mobile apps cycle more frequently. So there there are these improvements that we're yeah. seeing. Um, are they enough? I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. But I do see, like, you know, if I take the, the 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 length of time that I've been watching this from it being super easy, I mean, even, even cable back in the, in, like, late 90s, you were on the same LAN as your neighbors, right? Like, I remember, it's like, like, looking at all my neighbors, you know, computers. Printers. Yeah, their printers, their computers. I remember, like, um, yeah. what was that? Uh, uh, Cult of the CDC app where you could, yeah. uh, you know, like, you could actually install it on, like, Windows 95 machines back then and and then get full remote desktop control, yep. you know, like, stick, a, like, a VNC client on them or whatever. And, yep. <laughs> like, uh, that stuff is way harder because a lot of the base has, has improved. So I do see that. Like, when I look over the stretch of time, I see these incremental improvements. Uh, but I see we've also introduced a whole bunch of new problems. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's a mixed bag. I hate mixed bags. I, I just want things to get better. <laughs> um, I do. I just want things to get better, yeah. but, and, and I quoted this earlier and then this is a, a Jeremiah Grossman thing. Like we had this conversation probably 10 years ago and I bet if we had it today, it'd probably be the same answer. It was, are things getting better? And the answer was yes. However, and you guys are going to get sick of me saying this. However, the rate at which they're they're adding to the bad pile is faster. So yes, we're solving problems. We are, um, and we're we're fixing framework issues, and we're we're making frameworks safer and dependency checkers and and you know listers of uh, of s bombs and stuff like that. But that moves slowly. Innovation or, or that outpaces that, I would say, three to one, right? And we've got to find a way. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. It's, it's halfway through 2023, kids. We've got to find a way to get into the actual stream of innovation so that when something new hits, that's meant to make things easier, faster, better, also safer, right? It, it doesn't have to be perfect because perfection is the is the enemy because we'll never get there. But I'd like some mechanisms that are regularly attended to, reviewed, and it doesn't have to be an elite few sitting in an ivory tower, but we can't leave security at a at a code framework level to everybody, including me, that can contribute to this thing. Like that's probably not a good idea. And so somewhere leaning towards the the, the more you know centralized knowledge part, 
I think is where it, where it probably will succeed best. But every time I turn around, there's a new language that's that's being talked about. Um, well, and, and, and I, that, yeah, yeah, I mean, interrupt for a second. I think that's exactly where it's exciting. Like, I think if security folks are really paying attention to how developers are building, right? Like the way people build now, you know, I think JavaScript and Node took a lot, a lot of security people off guard because they weren't paying attention. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's like the, the little web guys, you know, uh, the web client side code, whatever. Uh, and, and I was guilty of that to some degree myself. But I've always been interested in like, how are people building now? How is that evolution happening? And most of the time security is like way behind chasing, like looking and going like, oh, wait, you just like, you know, we're sitting here trying to like build up this path. That's kind of like when you have kids, right? You're like trying to clean the room that just messed up. And then, and then you look up and they're like made a whole new disaster right now. Yeah. There's three rooms ahead. The wall, there are three right? rooms ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. I, I think that's how security has been with the, the development. And hopefully we can learn from that and start kind of getting on the, on the bleeding edge with some of these developers and watching what they're doing. You know, this AI stuff, AI code, we need to be on the, from the security community we need to be watching that, not kind of derisively, like, you know, I was kind of joking about earlier, but I'm also paying attention. Like, we need to be paying attention, see how that's going on the edge, watching them, spotting the challenges with it, and maybe making improvements early and not waiting till it's like, you know, five years from now. And they're like, oh, we don't need developers anymore. We're just going to use AI. And then we're like, oh, but that's a problem. Like, we, we need to be saying that's a problem right now and, and figuring out how to improve it not waiting uh, for that mess, right? Let's not be three rooms behind the kids making the mess. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great... Uh, so, all right, let's, let's end it on some... Because opt- we're out of time, but I, I do want to end it on some sort of optimism, perhaps. Uh, I, I think... I'll let you go second so you can think about it. I think for me, uh, my point of optimism is that we have come a long way from printf uh and you know and uh and printf as printf right so we've come a long way from back when i was giving talks on the fact that people wrote you know if then statements inside swf files to do authentication right so we figured some things out the fact that the entire world's uh, uh application infrastructure seems to be running on a protocol HTTP, HTTPS, right? And the, the uh, HTML, loosely speaking, that really was never designed for this is still bugging me. And we keep adding on top of it. But I guess my, the point of optimism here is that it hasn't broken. Like as bad as everything is, it hasn't just fallen over and just completely catastrophically collapsed. So I guess that's a testament to its own its own resilience. Um, so I guess that gives me hope for the fact that things are only as broken as we're, as we're allowing them to be right is any more and things would fall over any less. And we'd be putting too much effort into too little results. I think that's, I'd like to think that that's optimistic. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and and I'll, I'll say some of those standards are important to, uh, like let's be in the mix of those standards early, right? You know, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, it, although it's some of it's uh, you, you can't imagine, right? When we were, when they were 
creating HTTP, right, in the standard, couldn't imagine yeah. what people would eventually want to stick on top of it, right? I mean, it was, yeah. you know, it was designed as like a, a cart, right? And now we've got it, like, it, yeah, yeah, we got like houses and, and buildings on top of it getting you know shuttled across. Yes. Right? It was like, no, we were supposed to just pull hay, right? Like this is not, this is a wooden cart with wooden wheels. And, and now we're, we're using it for the infrastructure of the world. Uh, but it's, it's managed. It's, it's been kind of surprising. Uh, no, I think again, we need to be paying attention, I guess, as new standards are coming, as this AI revolution is coming, we need to be paying attention so that we can get into the conversation earlier, hopefully resolve some things earlier instead of playing catch up. Right. And, and we've done a little too much catch up We're, there's always going to be some of that. Cause you, you don't know, like you can invest a whole bunch of energy down a trail and developers will like, Oh, this is super exciting. Uh, now it's out of trend and now they're moved on and you don't want to waste too much time either, but, uh, but still you gotta be paying attention. And so that's where I think us on the AppSec side of things, as opposed to like network security, like the other security folks, right? On the AppSec side, it's it's an exciting time. There's so much to be watching and so many answers to still give and be part of that uh, I think it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the space. I, uh, I loosely keep tabs on it because uh, it's not <laughs> something I can currently work in, but it's, it's obviously something I, I spent a great deal of my time and energy in. Um, so, but I will say, get off my lawn. This is, this is still a, <laughs> let the, let the adults handle it sometimes. <laughs> All right, Dan, this has been fun, man. Uh, this, this is a kind of cool two-parter where you got to, we just got to sit down and chat. I think we haven't done this in, uh, I, a long time. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a long time since you know, I got to sit down, but Hey, are you coming out to black Hat? Yeah, I will be. So we'll, we'll have to. Awesome. Connect. Make sure you catch Rafcon. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Folks, that was Dan. Dan on Dev, great podcast. Uh, highly, uh, highly recommend you go check out the video. It's on. Uh, he's got it on LinkedIn. Uh, also retweeted on Twitter. Um, I think we'll probably find a way to put it on Threads. I don't know. Uh, you guys on Threads? Where, 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 where are the cool kids hanging out these days? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast for the. 560th episode. I'm going to sign off and we'll catch you guys another time, another place. Cue the music. Bye-bye. We're out. Later. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. <laughs>